Um, I've been the Counseling Foundations Director for eight years, nine, maybe nine years. Uh, I received my doctorate about four years ago in grief counseling, uh, more oriented type therapies. And um, so I was just saying to someone before you, all you guys showed up, Doug and I, like we're some of the older ones that are giving sessions this afternoon, Doug, Frederick, is giving one on pain, and I get to give one on failure. So why do they give it to the old people? <laughs> the young people get all the jazzy ones, like social media and injustice. And everything. <laughs> Us these the goodies, not that I'm old, but we are older, we get pain and failure. Like, when Nathan asked me, I was like, all right, all right, I think I have a bit to say about failure. And inside I'm like, failure? Who wants to come in here about failure? But I, I tried to, yeah, you guys do. I tried to get it so that, you know, there would be some tips for what to do when you experience failure. And we're going to talk about the fact that, you know, children of Israel, there was lots of failure, Jesus. The Samson, the Paul, like there's so many biblical examples of failure, right? So, and not just biblical examples, we all know in our lives that um, with everything we try, there's the potential for it to not turn out the way that we want. And the reality is, let's let's start here. The, the, char- the defin- definition of character is the features and traits that form the individual nature of some person or thing, okay? The group or qualities that make up a person or a group. Um, we find that character is the thing that we want to be developing as we go along this road of life. It's, it's the characteristics, the, the, the things that, uh, the, the responses that we have to life, the, the things that, um, if a person says, oh, uh, Julie, she's a person of good character, that's the type of thing that we want people to say about us. We want Jesus at the end of our, or God at the end of our lives to say, well done now, good and faithful servant, right? But along life's journeys, unfortunately, we have failures. And the definition of failure is uh, a lack of success, a fact of someone or something not succeeding, uh, the fact of not doing something, the act or instance of failing or proving unsuccessful, the lack of success, his it's, for example, his efforts resulted and ended in failure. Like, sometimes we think of failure as, like, when I was given this topic, I'm like, oh, so you want me to talk about sin? Like, because we equate failure with, I did something bad, right? But failure is not just, I did something bad. It's, you can be doing everything right and still uh, experience failure, okay? So how, when we're trying to have the character of Christ, where we're trying to have a character that defines uh, itself in a godly manner, how do we handle failure? Okay, so that's what we're going to look at today. Um, many, many moons ago, five, about five or eight years ago, um, one of my mentors, he's probably the, the most predominant mentor in my life, uh, and you might have heard him, he, re- he uh, writes books and stuff like that. He's a Pentecostal scholar, his name's Roger Schoenstatt. He uh, gave me this um, paper that he had just created for a grad ceremony where he was doing the graduation address, okay? And no, he's not Obama, you know, who goes out there and talks and, and all these movie stars. And calls it. But in my world, he's a success, and he's someone I want to learn from, and um, he he wrote this note on it, he says, Melody, dot, dot, okay. um, here are some biblical perspectives on the Christian walk, which you may at this time resonate with, best wishes, Roger, and at that time, he knew that I was going through a lot of stuff, because... Um, 
there were some people in my family who had, you know, terminal illnesses, and my dad had dementia, and I was trying to get my doctorate done, and, and I wasn't doing any bad stuff, you know, like I said, sometimes we equate failure with, with bad stuff, or sinning or something, but failure often is just not succeeding when you're trying to do something and I wasn't I wasn't succeeding at getting some of my work done for my dissertation I wasn't succeeding at at acing everything like I wanted to ace everything I wasn't succeeding at being able to be there for everyone who needed care and needed hope and needed an encouragement you know in the when you're working sometimes you get in trouble from your supervisor and stuff like that like I don't know if anybody can relate right you're not doing everything perfectly or you get a paperback and you didn't get as good of a mark as you wanted and so there were like lots of things that were challenging to me and and he wrote me this note and he says hey look at this paper because you might actually uh, resonate with some that's written in it. And one of the things that I want to show you today, I wrote um, down a quote from him. Uh, and it says the following, and I'm just going to raise the head here. It says this. When God called Israel out of Egypt, he led them on a journey typified by detours, dead ends, disciplines, and designs. Similarly, many generations later, when God called his beloved firstborn son out of Egypt, the Holy Spirit led him on a journey which was also beset with a combination of detours, dead ends, disciplines, and designs. When Roger gave me this paper, what he was trying to encourage me with is that sometimes we experience failures in our lives, Sometimes we experience challenges in our lives, but it's all stuff that can help us on our journey of life if we have the correct response to it. He went on to say that um, Israel's journey out of Egypt became a cautionary tale teaching lessons of attitudes to be avoided in contrast with Jesus' journey teaching us lessons to be followed. Okay? So what were some of the ways in which um, Israel responded to its lessons? Does anybody remember some of the stories of the children of Israel when Jesus brought them out of Egypt? What were some of the things that, that they faced? Well, first of all, I'll get to you, Julie. Yeah, oh yeah. First of all, the detours. When he talks about Israel's detours, what, what's he talking about? Well, the first thing that happened when they left um, Egypt and were heading to the promised land was he led them into the wilderness. Now, why did he lead them into the wilderness? Well, he led them into the wilderness because if they had crossed the most straightforward territory, they were going to run into some of the worst enemies that they would ever face and they would get really scared. And they weren't up for that challenge yet. So, what he wanted to reaffirm in me is that Mal... Sometimes you're going to be, and you have faced detours, but what God's keeping you away from is danger. Okay? And for some of you, you're, you're going to be facing a few detours in your, in your journey. Uh, and we need to recognize it's not because we fail sometimes. Failure is really difficult for us because we think so introspectively, and it's like, well, I didn't get that job, or I didn't get that position, or I didn't get get to go where I thought I was going because there was something wrong about me. But what in the Bible he wants us to have reaffirmed is that sometimes detours happen because God's keeping us away from something that's very dangerous. Okay? And then also within this paper, he wrote that we are faced sometimes with dead ends. Now, what was the children of Israel's dead end? How did Moses cross the Red Sea? How did Moses cross the Red Sea? You know, you can tell I was a child of the 70s. We had all these really cool Sunday school things, okay? Uh, and one of them was that song. And immediately, 
another part of their journey process, they had the detour, but they also had the dead end, and that was that was the Red Sea. You know, Pharaoh's army's coming up on them, and they're just pressed against mountains that they couldn't get over, and then the sea, and Moses had to put his staff out, and God cleared away, and then wiped out the army. And sometimes you're going to feel like you're at a dead end. Like, how, how many times have I, and I don't know about you guys, been in a job, not this job, but been in a job where you're like, why am I here? What, what, what is this? Like, you want to hear what one of my, you know, potential experiences were in that corridor? I remember coming out here and working in Kelowna at Evangel, um, the big church in Kelowna and, Pastor Fred was the, Fred Fulford was the pastor at that time, and he looked everywhere for a job for me. And he says, Mel, uh, for some odd reason, there's no doors open. There's usually tons of doors open, but there's no doors open, so there you go. My detour started, okay? And then I thought, well, where do I go? I felt that I should go back to Winnipeg, where I got my master's degree, and um, couldn't find work. Couldn't find work at all. So, what does Mel start to do? I have a master's degree, and I start by getting... I, I was asked to join a counseling center, and I did, but they wanted me to pay money for rent, and I didn't have a huge clientele yet, so I had to have a job that didn't mess with uh, workday hours, and yet I could still get some money to make sure that I had money to pay the bills, Okay. So, I um, got up at 4.30 in the morning and I washed floors at the local sh- shopper's drug mart. Now, lots of people would say, that was a dead end. Or that was a wicked detour. But do you know the character that formed in my life? The, do you know how much entitlement and uh, hard work it you know, the entitlement it took away, but the hard work it fostered. Mm-hmm. Um, and and now I can go in any job, and I remember those 4.30 mornings, and I think, ah, this one's easy. <laughs> this one's easy. Because, you know, when you're working at 4.30 to 7 o'clock in the morning, and then you are also uh, taking clients from 9 o'clock in the morning to 5 p.m., and then you signed up at a church to be their young adults leader, and you got a new Bible study, you learn a pretty good work ethic, <laughs> Right? And so now, any job that I do is easy. Because of character building that happened back then, which I could have, and many times thought, what's wrong with me? I must have failed. (laughs) Because why would I be mopping floors at 4.30 in the morning? But God leads us on these journeys. Failure does not equal a lack of success. It's just an opportunity. And I'm going to get to that in in a minute. And then I just want to point out, he also talked about disciplines. And I just gave you a good example of discipline there. When it came to the children of Israel, they had ten tests within their first year. And then, of course, if we, if we jump to Jesus, look at the temptations that he faced when Satan led him into the wilderness and he didn't get to eat and he didn't get to... Like, failure and character, and our responses to those character-building moments, our responses to the failures, not having the grumbling and the negative spirit of the children of Israel, but instead having Jesus' response be uh, one of, yes, Father, I will do your will, is what makes a failure a success. Okay? we got to recognize on our journey that no two routes will be the same. Our detours will lead us along different paths. The dead ends, which sometimes block our paths, won't be the same either. And that, that's the crazy thing, because we'd all like to know exactly what it is that's going to happen. Oh, that was Mel's story, so I can, I can anticipate that. Well, you can anticipate some, some detours, and you can anticipate some dead ends, and you can definitely anticipate some disciplines. But um, all of them are going to be the same. The disciplines will vary. 
Every one of us will have a unique road to tread, but the design, as I said before, is the same. God will bring detours, dead ends, and disciplines into your life to work out his design. Mm -hmm. As Paul concluded, God causes all things, detours, dead ends, disciplines, to work towards for our good and to be and for us to be conformed into God's image. The most import, important part of the destination is not the location, but the process. Mm-hmm. Like, how many times have you heard that, eh? <laughs> process, 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 right? You're a little bit sick of it. Process, process. Trust the process, right? <laughs> and it's, it's not easy to, to trust the process. It's not easy to continue to press in when things are going uh, not according to the proposed plan. And when you look at the definition of failure, you know, not succeeding in something that was hoped for, right? And that doesn't always necessarily have anything to do with with us doing, as I said before, anything bad. The process is lifelong. It is God taking the four Ds of our lives and working them together to bring conformity to the image of his son. And, you know, I, I joked a little bit earlier about, um, you know, Doug gets pain and I, I get to speak on failure. And, and I thought, well, it's kind of poetic because there's, Mel, you kind of know what you're talking about. Because there's been a lot of times where things didn't work out like I'd hoped. Okay. And I don't know about people in, in the room. There might you might be just starting. And it just seems like everything is is either on hold or not going fast enough or oh it's just there's this angst of life. Like there's a whole counseling model that's based on the this thought that people are tired of life and clumsy at living. <laughs> okay. And you might find yourself there. Right, But recognize that what God wants to lead us into through detours, dead ends sometimes, or things that appear like dead ends, or other discipline type things, is to produce a life that is well-pleasing, spirit-anointed, spirit-filled, spirit-led, and spirit-empowered. I tell you, there's nothing like a failure to bring you to your knees. Okay? And that's part of the posture that he wants when we're in the throes of not succeeding. Okay, From a coaching perspective, there are five ways to make peace with failure. Because okay? I can sit here and preach to you all day, failure is going to happen, you know, kind of thing. Failure is a part of life. Look at it happened to these people. You know, in scripture, but you know, what do we do with it when we have it, mm-hmm. right? That's what you're actually here to hear, right? <laughs> well, there there are five ways to make peace with failure, and the first one is oh, so difficult, so so difficult. Somebody want to read it for me, Julie? Read it for me. <laughs> Don't make it personal. Separate the failure from your identity. Yeah, I put the in Christ part. The answer to all this is Jesus. You know, if I have faith, Jesus. Yeah, you'll be right. You can you can venture out. You can do that. Um, make don't make it personal. Separate the failure from your identity. Okay. Oh, oh yeah. Okay. Sure, Mel. Let's do that. Yeah, like yeah. Get right on that. It's harder than you think. And the first, the first. Um, way of doing that is to to realize that that's kind of what needs to be done whether it's easy to do or not it's don't make it personal so that's why I say don't make it personal separate the failure from your identity in Christ we constantly are coming back to the cross when it comes to failure Okay, constantly have to come back to the foot of the cross and lay whatever it is at the foot of the cross and say, Jesus, take this and remind me that this does not define me. 
okay? <laughs> we have an extension policy here at school. And I used to have a sign up, like they sign their green forms asking for permission for an extra week. They lose 10% of their mark, but it's like the walk of shame into the office. You know? Oh, I failed. I, my time management skills suck. This is awful. You know, and there's the walk of shame. So every once in a while, I'll, I'll put a sign up that says, this does not define you. Okay? You're still in forward motion. You're still going for it. This does not define you. And that's a whole part of trying to train people to don't make this your identity. Yeah. Don't let it stick. It, it's not worth sticking. You know that there's going to be another day. So don't let it define you and go back to the foot of the cross and say, Lord, please help me. I'm feeling like I'm not measuring up. Help me to shake this off. This does not define me. And for some people, depending on the failure, it takes me, like when there's been a shock to my system, in other words, a failure, okay, like something's not going the way that I want it, or I've gotten bad news, it takes me three sleeps. Now think about it. Everybody's different. It takes me three sleeps to get to the point where I'm emotionally enough removed away from it to start to think better. Mm. Okay? Sometimes we try to push ourselves too much. Oh, i got to get over it right away. And we just stuff, 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 and then things build up, and then kapow. Recognize that you got to be gentle with yourself when you've experienced a failure and that these things take days to work out. Not just because Mel said, don't let it become part of your identity, okay? The next thing is take stock, learn from it, and adapt. Okay, what was my part? Was there any of it that was my part? Uh, what was their part? You know, depending on what the failure is, whether that's a relationship failure or, like, maybe your manager really kapowed you with, you're just not doing your job. Well, what was my part? What was other the institution's part? You know, that sort of thing. Take stock of it, learn from it, and adapt. Get some counsel. Mm -hmm. Sometimes we're so far in our heads and, and we're, like, immediately going, oh, I suck. I suck. I suck. And we lie in our bed, I suck, I suck, I suck, I suck. <laughs> you know, kind of thing. But get some counsel. And remember, you're not alone in all this as you take stock and endeavor to learn from it. You could even say things like, God, lead me to the right book or lead me to the right person or show me what's going on. Mm -hmm. Like enact the power of the Holy Spirit to, to help you, to define what was actually happening within that thing that you were not successful with. Mm -hmm. And then number three, oh my goodness, I may as well tell some of you to stop breathing, right? <laughs> stop breathing. That would, that's number three. No. Number three is stop dwelling on it, okay? Oh, well, it's a wound by now. It's, it's a wound. Like if you're feeling it and you, and you can't shake it, it's now a wound. And so what do we do with wounds? What do you do when you got an owie? Yeah, well, yeah, you put a band-aid on it. You, sometimes you have to clean it out, which would mean, you know, talking it over with a friend, right? Or talking it over with someone. You got to be gentle with it and tender with it. You, you take care of it. You put a band-aid on it. You give it some time. Okay. Stop dwelling on it, but at the same time, be kind to yourself in the process, recognizing that uh, it's going to take time. And this, this not dwelling on it takes sheer gut determination often. Uh, it doesn't just happen. Um, you must focus to choose, you must choose to focus on other things. Does anybody know what Philippians 4.8 says? Has anybody committed that to memory yet? 
Philippians 4, 8. I remember when I was 12, the pastor at the front of my church, I went up and I confessed a failure. And he said, Mel, you need to memorize Philippians 4, 8. Now, if it comes and goes, I've got it here. In case of, you know, <laughs> but it's, it's the scripture that says whatsoever is true, honest, just, pure, mm-hmm. lovely, Whatsoever things are a good report, think on these things. And when you need to cognitively reset, especially from a failure, which is now a wound, okay? You know when you're wounded, that's all you feel, right? Someone steps on your toe, someone kicks you, you uh, hurt your shoulder. Lots of different things can be going on in your body, but the thing that makes is crying for attention is the broken toe, okay? <laughs> Well, it's the same with failure. So it's like, be kind to yourself, be gentle to yourself, and you're going to have to concentrate on thinking on different things. It's just not going to happen. It Often I say, like there have been times where I've felt so alone, I've been betrayed, it was such a failure, something bad happened, and all I could do was, was just sit there and because all I could do is remember it right it just keeps rolling around and you know negative rumination Mm -hmm. we've all I think been there and I just had to say okay Jesus 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 and then I take a deep breath oh there it is Jesus Jesus you know like seriously we have to enact his name in order to sometimes get some of this other stuff out of our heads, (laughs) right? So stop dwelling on it. You know, a good psychologist says this, but a Christian psychologist says you might need to actually quote some scripture. You might have to actually use his name over and over and over and over and over and over again, okay? Because these things, they just kind of get in there and they like, they just get you. And it takes sheer gut determination to get it out. And then number four, release the need for the approval of others. Often our fear of failure is rooted in our fear of being judged and losing others' respect and esteem. Well, that's a big one too, right? Um, we got to ask ourselves whose opinion is important Whose opinion is important? Jesus. Because <laughs> you know what? There's going to be times where you're not going to win uh, if you're looking for other per- per- people's opinions. Sometimes it's just better to be quiet and go to the foot of the cross. Go to Jesus. Say, Jesus, take the wheel. You know? Take it from my hand. Because there is just no way that you're going to be able to win. Like, we've been in situations where you can't win. Somebody's going to get you. Somebody, uh, There's opposing forces on every side. Okay? Children of Israel felt that way. Lots of people in the Bible felt that way. We're going to feel that way. And then there's something when it comes to this, you know, release the need for the approval of others. I think I was in my teens when somebody told me this. And I think once I start telling you this little statement, you're going to say, oh yeah, I've heard that before. Okay. And that is, remember, people think less of you than you think. They've got their own stuff that they're thinking. If you think that people are always thinking about how much you failed and how much of an idiot you made it, you're made of yourself at karaoke night and all those sorts of things, you know, because we we have a lot of different things that we self-loathe about, right? Like, oh, I have a pimple today. You know, it's there's just so many things that we get down on ourselves about. People aren't thinking as much about you as you think that they are. 
uh, that was really tragic at first for me to, to realize, but then it became free. Okay? Um, yeah, we want, to, we want to be all that and a bag of chips, don't we? We want to succeed. We want to be all that and a bag of chips. But as we are learning to do that, there's going to be a lot of times that we fail. Mm-hmm. And um, one of the quotes that I, I skipped over is this. It says, failure is the currency for success. Get a load of that, okay? We don't think about that very often, do we? But failure is the currency for success. In school, failure means lost opportunity. But in the real world, failure is the currency for success. You are not better or smarter than failure. You are not above it, and you can't escape it. You are going to fail many times, probably more than you succeed, but it's in the trying. Okay? And, you know, any of you that are athletes, you know that, right? Any of you that have, you know, played in music recitals or, or done any public speaking or, or, or risked in any way know that you've only gotten some of your skills by abject failure. Mm-hmm. Okay? And so, failure, if we can learn the proper perspectives of it, and if we can learn how to handle it, um, doesn't have to be the worst thing on earth. Uh, we can use it to develop the character that God would have us to create, and that's one that leans on him. And fifthly, the fifth way of, of handling failure is try a new point of view. Okay, you failed. Well, let's look at this differently. Let's, let's try to take it and, and use it somehow. And that always, that's, um, that point makes me think of this verse, and it's 1 Peter 5, 6, and 7. And part of the, the Christian walk and part of God's design is to make us into his chosen people, his royal priesthood, his servant army, okay, for lack of a better way to say it. And within that whole context, one of the ways in which we're to be is humble people. Okay? Um, and so First Peter 5, 6, and 7 says, Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time, casting all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. And you know as well as I do that when you have not done what you want to do, when you have, quote, not had the successes that you want to have, when you have failed, what happens when you are trying to break out of your shell and do something again? Usually anxiety happens. Lots of anxiety. And we need to begin to understand that he'll help us with that anxiety as we give it to him. That we can learn and grow and develop and and try things and fail because we are his kids and he has a purpose for us and we don't always have to be perfect perfect even though society tells us unless you're perfect don't try (laughs) right mind you some of the stuff we see online now we know people aren't perfect but you know what i'm saying we still try to have the best coolest most wonderful things and then another verse is second chronicles 7:14 if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways then i will hear from heaven and i will heal, heal their lands that is like the most excellent recipe for life especially when it comes to trying to do things for him okay If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face. And it doesn't mean even when we're doing that, like, yeah, when we're doing wicked ways, but even more so as we're just trying to, like, make life work. He will hear from heaven and he will heal our lands. Mm -hmm. He'll make something beautiful out of our lives. Mm -hmm. I like this quote. It's by um, Lisa Bevere. 
And she says the following. If you think you've blown God's plan for your life, rest in this. You, my beautiful friend, are not that powerful. <laughs> <laughs> well, I love that. <laughs> because, man, have I ever thought that I've blown God's plan for my life sometimes. And I remember being your age, and there's just such a long road ahead, you know? I remember, and I remember, you know, falling to my knees sometimes and going, I'm such a geek. Jesus, I'm such a geek. How can you ever use me? You know, and and be be seriously crying because all I wanted to do was do His will and and be in His work. And how can you ever lose? How can you ever use me? I'm such a geek. Now geeks are cool, but back then they weren't. Okay, and. Uh, Sometimes things didn't work out the way that I wanted. Like, I remember there was one particular student council election here. And I, w- I was up for every position. I was up for president. I was up for vice president. Like, this was of the whole student body. <coughs> and, and I was up for secretary, and I was up for treasurer, and I was up for social committee. I was up for all of them. Okay? So the president's um, ballot came up, and, well, I, I lost. And then, well, Mel, would you, they come up to you in the audience. Would you mind putting your name in? No, we, we can let it stand for that. Vice president came up. I lost by one vote. Then, well, you want to be the secretary. So then I was up against a couple other um, people for secretary. Lost. Well, surely we put her name in the hat this time for treasurer. Lost. I lost everything. And, yeah, it was hard for the, like, talk about failure, hard for the ego. And one of my teachers, who was my mentor at the time, not not Roger, but uh, her name was Dr. Pepper, believe it or not. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Dr. Pepper came up to me and said, wow, God must really have a special job for you next year, because it just doesn't make sense that you didn't get any of those. Thank you, Jesus, for that perspective. (laughs) And I took that little nugget of what I consider is truth, and I put it in my heart, (laughs) and I just left with my head, yeah, God must have something special. I'm a geek, but God must have something special for me, you know, and the next year, somebody didn't return in in the class um, presidents, and I ended up being that class president. And it worked out even better. Moral of the story is things are going to happen. And you're going to feel like the plan's blown and what did I do to make it blow? (laughs) Okay? Detours, dead ends, discipline, but it's all in how you respond to it. Right? It's all in how you respond to it. There, there was this, I don't know if there's this saying now, but it can make you bitter or it can make you better. <laughs> All right? Now, so cliche-ish, right? So cliche-ish, but it's so true. Um, I could have sat there and said, you know, I could either, like, self-loathed and got all inward funky and just been all grumbly and, oh, the thing was rigged. You know, I could have been... Not displayed the qualities of Christ, okay? You gotta make choices. To recognize that sometimes you don't know the full picture. Sometimes you don't know the full picture. There could have been, I don't know why, but I trust that He is leading and guiding, and that's what you guys need to do. Um, The hardest failures to reconcile are those things that should have worked out. Okay? They should have worked out. It shouldn't have been that way. And there's going to be some of those too. There are no present rational explanations for why they didn't happen. Those are the hardest ones to reconcile. But sometimes it happens. And in this case, I'm glad that I'm older. Because I'm standing in front of you. And I've lived twice as old or more 
than all of you, okay? And I can honestly say that anything that I have reflected on or any failure that I can think of or any guy that, you know, I didn't have the opportunity for or any of the things that I was so sure of, I'm very happy at this point in my life to look back and say, thank you, Lord, that you guided in the way that you did and that I had the response of following you. Mm-hmm. And uh, I encourage you, remember, it doesn't always look the way that you think it's going to look, but we have to trust in the Lord with all of mm-hmm. our hearts and not lean on our own understanding and in all our ways acknowledge Him and He will make our path straight. It re- the answer really is Jesus. <laughs> There's no other answer. There's lots of nuances. There's lots of things to ponder over. But ultimately, when you put your life into his hands, as Jesus did when he submitted himself to death on the cross, like some pretty extreme things that Jesus had to go through. Some of us might have pretty extreme things that we have to go through. I, my life hasn't been easy. Not at all. But the reality is that the Lord is with us. And mm-hmm. he will guide us. And he will protect us. And he has a plan regardless of whether we understand it or not. So do any of you have any questions? Or comments, or things you'd like to say. What resonated with you from what I said? Everything. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I like the quote that you said that we're not that powerful to destroy what God has. Yeah, like what, when I was in school. Um, after that whole student council election thing, and then something wasn't going really well with a guy that I liked. This was all at Summit, you know. It happens. <laughs> um, I remember uh, he was an older guy, an old, like a 30-year-old student. We don't have many older guys. So I was like 22, and he was 30. He was like a big brother. He came up to me, and he said, Mel, I want you to know that no man can thwart God's call on your life or God's will for your life. Mm -hmm. And I took that deeply because sometimes we get challenged and we're going to come up against a lot of things. And we got to stick to what we know, and that is that we're called. And we have to stick to what we know, and that is that God loves us and he does have a plan for our lives. Mm -hmm. And it's a good plan. Mm -hmm. It's a wonderful plan. It is the best plan. And you got to hold that so tightly because there are going to be things that come and, and, and that don't even make sense. But you take them as their failures. And, you, and, it, and it eats away part of you sometimes because you're like, how could I have stopped that from happening? And then, you know, the Holy Spirit says back here, you couldn't have, honey. Just hang on and know that I'm there with you. And I'll get you through this. Because life's like that sometimes. So. Any other comments or, or thoughts? Yeah. Well, I just think, like, I've been, I've been talking about this with a friend lately, and another thing that we had experienced is that, like, we just seem to, like, come across so many closed doors over and 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 over Mm -hmm. again. Mm -hmm. We both realized that, like, in the process of trying to do this, we had never once asked God's help for it. Mm -hmm. And then, like, she was saying she prayed. Uh, She couldn't find a job. She she didn't know where she was going to live and something something else for the summer. She'd come up, like, against, like, 13 closed doors. Mm -hmm. And she prayed that night before she went to bed, and she woke up to a text about someone saying... Hey, would you like to do an internship at our church? Turns out it's going to be paid. We have a place for you to stay. We have mm-hmm. a car for you, and we 
have something for you starting in September. Mm-hmm. And she woke up to an email for like the four things that she had been coming up against. Mm-hmm. And she she's like, man, why did I leave God out of it the whole time? And I feel like sometimes he does that sort of thing. To yeah. Just, I want to develop those skills in you. Come to me first, please. You know? Can you please come to me? Like, think about the children of Israel and how much grumbling and complaining. I want to go back to Egypt. It was way better than dying out here in the wilderness. You know? Like, so much uh, grumbling that that generation didn't even get to go into the promised land. And he doesn't want us to be like that. He wants us to be coming to him first. How do you recognize the good counsel from the bad in your inner circle? Ooh. Well, <laughs> no, no, really, this is one way that I've learned to discern, and, and I talk about it a bit in Counseling Foundations, and that is recognize that Jesus leads and Satan drives. So if you ever are getting counsel or you are leaving a conversation and you feel like you've been driven into a wall and not really given many um, many options or like just feel constrained and not really um, led, but more imposed upon and, and driven by what it is people are counseling you to do, take a step back. Remember, the Holy Spirit is a gentleman. Jesus leads us. He's our good shepherd. So there's, and I, and I take this direction because it's about feelings, right? Like feelings, they indicate, they don't dictate, okay? But they, if, if you're feeling off about it, don't act on it. Give it some time. If you're feeling like, well, I have to answer now, anything where it's like, I have to answer now, that person who's dictating that you have to do isn't allowing the time that's needed for a person to feel led. And probably it's because down the road you're going to find out there's power and control issues. So that's one way where you can begin to assess your counsel. Feelings, you don't run, make decisions by feelings, but they sure can indicate if something's off. They don't dictate how you respond, but trust some of that and make sure that you are um, talking very plainly to the Lord about how you are feeling so he can help you come up with different feelings if it's just your own fear and insecurity. That's one answer. Seriously, what I've learned over the years is, and I and I love this piece. The Holy Spirit is a gentleman. So if you're sitting in a, if you're sitting in a, um, in a service and people are just haranguing on you, and you're leaving feeling condemned and all that stuff, well, it probably wasn't a good sermon for you. Okay, because not that you always feel like rosy, but God. When he points a path, he always gives a way of escape. He always gives a direction. He doesn't just get you there all stirred up with no place to go. He says, and now walk this way with me. Okay? So if there's no path that's leading out of a situation where you're walking this way with him, just don't jump into the bandwagon so fast. Because there's a lot of really good manipulators. Um, but remember, the Holy Spirit leads and the enemy drives. Okay? Want to just do one thing with me and then we're going to finish because it's time to finish. Um, there might be some of you that some of the stuff that I've talked about today, you might be feeling a little stirred up or um, not like just not feeling like you might feel. Mm. I hate this topic, blah, oh God, where are we going, what do you want, you know, kind of thing. So I want to just do an exercise, it's it's an Ignatius exercise, St. Ignatius, and what it is, is I want you to put your hands on your, on your legs like this, 
And I want you to think about something that's where you feel you failed or not succeeded or it's not working out the way that you wanted. There's disappointment. There's maybe some confusion. There's, there's just, you just don't feel well about it. I want you to just think about if there's anything like that. Just, just bring it to your mind, like in your mind's eye. Take a deep breath. And let it out. And then raise your hands towards the ceiling. And just inside say, Dear Jesus, I give this to you. I give, I give this event, I give this feeling, I give this concern, I give this fear or loss of hope. I just give it to you. And then take a deep breath in. And another one out. And then place your palms of your hands back on your knees. And if if there's anything else that comes to mind, just think about that. And then let's just let's just turn it over again to, to our Lord. Who cares? Put your palms to the ceiling and Take another deep breath. Father, you know all things. And you know that some of us have been through stuff. You know that we have friends that have been through stuff, family members. You know everything. And we're just so thankful that you care and that you're with us. And I just pray, dear Father, that... um, Today we have a little bit more information to develop character that knows what to do with failure, lack of successes, that we can know that you're with us through all of the struggles of life. Thank you for that reminder today, Mm -hmm. Father. We love you so very much. Now be with each of us, Lord, as we continue. And continue to speak to us. In Jesus' name, Mm -hmm. amen. Mm -hmm. Amen. Amen.